Hello, everyone, and welcome to Health Law Talk presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. Before we get started, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube, linked in the description below. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Good morning, everyone. Conrad Meyer here uh, for another edition of Health Law Talks here at Shahardi Sherman Williams with Rory Bellina. And uh, Rory, say hello. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. And today, everyone, we have a, a special guest with us today, uh, Keith Hustak. Uh, he is the Vice President of Advanced Provider Practice and Vice President of Operations for Spectrum Health. And uh, he's on the line with us today, Keith. Keith, how you there? You there? Yes. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Great. Great. Today, we're going to talk about something that uh, that all of us have dealt with, and especially Keith, uh, with respect to uh, advanced provider practice, APRNs, uh, physician assistants, and that deals with incident two billing requirements. And a lot of you are going to scratch your head and say, what? What incident two? What is that? And it's it's actually a very, very important topic because uh, incident two is, is a if done properly and if in compliance can help practices and large groups capture additional revenue from Medicare. If done wrong, you have a real problem with potentially opening up your practice, your group uh, to a false claims act uh, as well as civil monetary penalties. So uh, a lot of times people scratch their head and say, well, I don't even know what that means. What is incident two? So today we, uh, we had with Keith on the phone and, and Rory and I, we're going to explore the world of Incident 2. So with that being said, we're going to jump right in. Uh, today, when, when you look at Incident 2, uh, Keith, what, what's your understanding uh, of, a, of, of why Incident 2 would be important to a large group like Spectrum? Yeah, Incident 2 is is it's critical to understand the details because if you don't get the details right, um, you know, you could be then accused of, of false billing practices. And, um, you know, I think when I speak across the country, you know, providers, physicians, APPs, PAs, APRNs, I think that the, the traditional, and, and I don't have any data on this, uh, but I think the traditional provider really doesn't understand the details of incident two. Uh, very well, and that puts us all at risk. So, so um, let's let's so that, 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 that's why it's important. So let's let's jump back. What is it? I mean, like that's like yeah. the it's sort of like uh, the, the 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 thousand pound elephant in the room. What is it? Um, yep. So go ahead, tell, Keith. What's your understanding? What is incident two? How would you how would you in a layman's terms? How would you describe incident two? Yeah. So here's here's. Um, how I describe incident two, and, and we give a capture the moment lecture at Spectrum really to teach providers this, but incident two, the way I teach it is this. Incident two starts at, at a second visit, a subsequent visit after a physician has seen a patient and has established a plan of care for that patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll give an example of this. So, so the classic example is, you know, a physician sees a, a patient who has hypertension and that physician says, okay, we're going to start you on this blood pressure, med- blood pressure medication. I'm going to have you follow up with your, uh, you know, with my APP uh, in six weeks. And we're going to see how that blood pressure medication is doing and how you're doing. Um, incident two then starts, the possibility of incident two starts at that subsequent visit. 
So at that subsequent visit, you know, the PA sees the, um, the patient and notices what the physician's plan of care was. If the, the PA or the APRN is seeing that patient and says, okay, uh, I see the plan of care here, patient's doing well on this, on this blood, pre- blood pressure medication, and, and follows that plan of care that was established previously by the physician and doesn't change the plan of care, doesn't see any new diagnoses, and here's kind of the, you can't make this stuff up. Right. The, the key to it is, is that a, a physician who is working in that same group has to be in the office at that time. If all that criteria is met, then they can bill incident to, and what that essentially means is incident to the physician and can get uh, 100% of the service, uh, almost as if you're billing like, like under the physician, essentially. And that's what incident two is. I always teach that incident two really is a, an outpatient follow-up visit term. It's also a CMS term, uh, meaning that a lot of uh, like commercial payers, in fact, um, they don't really deal with incident two, like, like here in our market in Michigan. Uh, some of our payers don't credential APPs. And because they don't credential APPs, we don't really have to even have to deal with it on the commercial side. So again, outpatient, CMS term, follow-up visit, a physician, not the physician who saw the patient, by the way, but a physician uh, needs to be in the office at that subsequent visit. If all that criteria is met and you don't change the plan of care, you can bill incident too. It's that simple. So, so if, and so, and, and, and just, just so everyone understands, uh, Keith, you, you manage just a few APPs, right? <laughs> how, 700. How many? 700, 700. We have 700 APPs in our system. That yeah. is, that so is we, we have a lot. lot. That's a lot of APPs. Yeah. Uh, well, well, and, and you're right. So, the, so the different, the difference is from what, from what you're saying, the reason incident two is important from, you know, the, all the compliance methodologies you just stated, but the difference is, is you if you bill incident two, you get a hundred percent reimbursement versus eighty five percent reimbursement. So it's really a delta of fifteen percent from Medicare uh, with respect to the incident two. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, that's correct. And that fifteen percent could be a lot over time. It can be, yes. Um, and 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 you know, I think you you know we'll get into it, but but there there's really pros and cons to mm-hmm. to, to really focusing on that incident too, that extra fifteen percent, which we can get into. And, and that's and that's that's the nuances of incident two, and sort of the I guess the the pitfalls, right? I mean, you, you have to really watch yourself. So, for example, in the in the example that you gave, with the PA following up on the uh, on the uh, blood pressure medication, um, yeah. basically. Uh, if the PA does not follow the initial plan of care, let's say that PA says, well, you know, I don't like blood pressure medication. I'm just going to DC it and we're going to start yep. something new. Can that PA then bill incident two on the claim form as if the physician had done that, 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 that change. And, and it is of my, it is of my opinion that that would be extremely risky and therefore no, right. um, that, that should not be done. Because under the Medicare benefit manual, it's, it, 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 it states that you need to, you know, follow the, the, the plan of care that was initially established by that, that physician. And I guess mm-hmm. the, the thought behind that would be that they don't want, they meaning, I guess, from a quality standpoint, they don't want uh, uh, APPs to sort of decide to go rogue, I guess, if you will, right? And with, without having the, the physician having a little bit of oversight with respect to that, that patient. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, you know, I think we could, we could, um, 
theorize as to why they have this this these crazy kind of rules and regulations, but that that probably has something to do with it when this law was established back in the day. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I think when you look at it, when you when you sort of get in the weeds. Um, and you look at the way healthcare delivery was started. I mean, back in the '60s and the '70s, I mean, you would have a lot of solo practices that you had a lot of nurses, and you had a lot of even spouses helping out the physician. You know, take blood pressure, help intake, and so forth. And and then and then as we evolve to present day, now you have a tremendous amount of multidisciplinary teams. You've got PT, OT, you've got uh, APPs like your, your mid levels, like you're talking about. You've mm-hmm. and so you and so you're looking at a lot of different, I guess, uh, uh, specialties working toward the same goal that are integrally repart, a part of that patient care. So, so now with with incident two, if you decided to put your toe in the water, right? <laughs> if you literally, yeah. if you wanted to do that, you have to be cognizant of the compliant issues uh, with respect of uh, of the direct supervision. Now, interestingly. Um, there's been a lot of comment over the years on Incident 2 and, and, and that I've, I've seen in the federal regs. Um, and basically, the, the comment was, what is direct supervision? And, and, and Keith, did y'all get into that in Spectrum, or, or, or was that ever a discussion about what, what was or how do we define direct supervision? Yeah, we we do get into that. Like in, in my lecture, we talk about direct supervision and, and generalized supervision and, and whether or not you have to be in the building or, or out of the building. Um, uh, you know, just to be transparent, we we ended up um, deciding to because of, of what we just talked about, how difficult right. incident two billing is. We decided as a system to go away from incident two to not even um uh, not even bother ourselves with it because yes, that 15% over time can make up, uh, you know, can bring in a lot more revenue, but the risks of it and, and all the things that you have to kind of, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's on, it, it just wasn't, um, wasn't worth the 15% in, in our opinion. Right. So that, that's kind of why we decided that, you know, we should probably go away from incident two altogether. Now we still do, we still do split, uh, split shared, uh, on the inpatient side, we do think there is a great value there on flip shared, uh, which is very similar, but but still a different term. Um, but we we decided to go against uh, uh, incident two. And, and and I understand that. And 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 you're correct. I mean, following the compliance, you know, with respect to the incident two, um, and, and let's and let's break that down. So so to bill incident two, yeah. you're going to have to um, have direct supervision. You're going to have to have a, a, a service that is or supply that is provided as an incidental part of the physician practice by auxiliary mm-hmm. personnel. Now that could be APPs, it could be PTOT, and and direct supervision, like you were alluding to a moment ago, requires the physician to be immediately available in the practice. Okay, and that could be uh, if it's a group practice, it could be another physician in that group. Um, uh, but it doesn't mean that the you know the physician is down the hall. It doesn't mean that they're in another suite. It doesn't mean that they're on another right. floor. It need they need yeah. to be immediately available to help that 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 auxiliary personnel with the patient. 
Um, it, otherwise, if you don't meet, like you said, all that criteria, then, you, then you're not going to be able to do it. Now, interestingly, on the claim form, when you submit the claim to Medicare or really your fiscal intermediary, right, it's going to have the, the, the physician's NPI number. It's not going to have the APPs. It's not going to have the PT or the OT. Now, it's just going to have the physician because, of course, you know, if you meet those requirements, then it's as if the physician had done the service him or herself, so, so that's in, in a right. nutshell. That's incident two. Um, yeah, and and you're correct about the pitfalls, uh, Keith. I, I mean, I gave a good example at one of my speeches about an orthopedic group that I represented that literally uh, had satellite, multiple satellite offices, and for uh, a period of three years or more, had sent their APPs out to the satellite offices to do E and M visits on patients with no physicians in that satellite office. So you can imagine when we sat down and we did a, a, an audit and we found this out, I was like, whoa, <laughs> right? we have a, you know, Houston, we have a problem. Um, right. You know, uh, I mean, we have a false claim act, uh, you know, for sure, a false, a false cl- uh, FCA issue, um, you know, for these overpayments. And, you know, and, and initially we, we had, then we had to decide what route we're going to take. So uh, in terms of how do we repay the government, right? Um, right. You know, and that, and, that, and that involved an internal investigation and involved, you know, let's, let's, let's see what the problem was. How big is the problem? And, and what are our options in terms of using the self-disclosure protocol? Do we, do we simply just return to the MAC uh, the delta between the 185 uh, percent, and ultimately what we did, we we just did the delta because of what we were seeing before was we would have to refund all of those claims. So imagine the the damage to operating capital, right? Uh, right. If you had to refund three years of claims for those satellite offices and then rebuild them, so uh, absolutely. I mean, it is good. I was just going to say, I, I think when I again, across the country, when I talk to my peers, colleagues, um, I think the biggest misnomer is people think you can build incident to simply by seeing the patient and sending the note to the doctor to, to say, to sign off and say, yep, I agree with the, uh, the, the plan of care. And, and people think, okay, I can build incident two. And that is not incident two. And I think in, in that case you just talked about, where, um, you know, you get these like satellite camps now that are, that are pretty big in healthcare. Right. Right. Um, uh, you know, they send the ATP out and, and again, they think, Oh, what we can send. And I don't know if this happened in your case, but we can just send the notes, all the physician, they sign off or a test. Right. Um, and, and that's incident too. And that, that quite frankly is not, not anywhere near incident two bill. That, yep. that, that's exactly, exactly what happened. So the, so, so when we looked at the, at the medical records and we saw the attestation, and immediately I said, okay, well, Dr. John Doe, were you at this satellite office on this date and this time? Yeah. And the yeah. answer was, well, no. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's do the really honest thing here. Everyone give me your calendars. And then let's reconcile it with the dates that you said you, you attest to on those records. And all of them were wrong. And so when right. we saw that for, you know, we did an extrapolation of 30 days. We realized, okay, we have a bigger problem here. <laughs> So, That's right. uh, so I mean, it really was a, a pitfall. Uh, but and, and so let me let me bring this other other question to you. And and mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of a, it, it, what happens if you're trying? Say you're a group practice and you're doing incident two billing. 
um, because you want to capture the 15%, you know, the, the 100%, mm-hmm. but you're paying your mid-levels on production. How, Ooh. I mean, you, do you see the problem there? So, yeah. so how, I, I mean, because the claim form has the NPI of the physician, how, there, I don't know of a way to track production. So, um, if that's the case, yeah. have y'all ever, have you ever heard of that? Just curious if that's ever crossed your mind on a comp model on a different side, if you're paying your, your, your APPs on a production base. Yes. Huge issue across the nation in APP world. Uh, I think every conference I go to, there is somebody who is either speaking about this or is, is raising uh, the concern of how do we, how do we, um, you know, drive performance out of APPs, uh, but yet give them credit when, when credit is due. And so there, there are certain things you can do in Epic where you, you it's called a ghost code. Epic, by the way, is an electronic health record that we use. I think it's probably still the number one uh, electronic health record out there. It is. Uh, today. We, we, we have a lot of it down here, too. Okay. Okay, great. Um, uh, but you can put in a ghost code, basically. So if, if you are that practice, as you mentioned, you know, the scenario would be that, you know, you, you want to do incident two billing. You feel good about it, that you have the right processes and protocols in place. Mm-hmm. That when that APP sees that patient, you would actually drop a, a ghost code in, and that ghost code then can be filtered out on the back end, and then you can give credit uh, to the APP on a productivity basis. So, now, the, so the ghost code would not go on the on the on the CMS fifteen hundred. It would go correct. Okay, I see. I see. Correct. It's it's just all in the background. Got it. Um, now we we are. Um, I, I I think if I remember the latest um, literature and studies and is that roughly about 50% of the country have, have APPs on like productivity models and 50% have them on uh, more salary model. Mm-hmm. We're on that salary model side of things. So as, at this point, we don't have to kind of worry about that. But mm-hmm. as, a, as a leader, I want to start driving more performance and allow, aligning kind of our APPs with our positions. And so I'm forever looking at, you know, when we turn this on, how are we going to credit the APPs? Um, I, I said that we don't do incident two, which we do not, but where this really comes up, yeah, time around is, is in the, in the inpatient world when you're, when you're doing like split shared billing, um, because again, you have to give credit to the APPs when they're doing that work. So. Got it. And, and, and so when, and we're going to get to split shared in just a second, my, my, I guess the question I would have is if I'm a group, right. And I'm looking and I'm hiring yeah. APPs and I'm looking at comp models, what resources are available to determine salary based on specialty? Uh, you know, where do you, where does one go to look for that? Yeah, I, I think the, probably the, the, the big three are, um, you know, AGMA, MGMA, and then, um, the, the biggest one I think that we use is, um, Sullivan Cotter, yes. uh, which is a consultant group and, and they have something called the NAC national APP advisory council. Um, I, I really think Sullivan Cotter is, is really going to have probably the best, more, most robust data in the next couple of years that they've been working on it. And, um, so we, what we do basically is we take, um, a kind of a blended survey, uh, of, of those three. And I think we might even have one more. Uh, and then we look at, you know, salary information, productivity information, and that's kind of how we do our benchmarks. Gotcha. I, I think that's, I mean, let me, let me tell you, I can't tell you, uh, uh, you know, now spectrum is at a whole different level than, you know, than, than a lot of groups down here. We don't have 
large systems, like the, the two large systems we have down here, Oxner and LCMC, um, but uh, but not not like yeah. you have up in, in Michigan. So uh, you have a sure. lot of you know midsize large groups, you know, uh, in in specialties, and sometimes you ha- you still have some some small medium sized groups in this market. So it's diff- a little bit different. But you know, I know that there's challenges because a lot of these doctors want to hire mid levels. And they're just scratching their head. Well, how do we do this? Especially if we want to do incident too. So, so that's yeah. a good. That's a good. Uh, thank you for those resources. That's really a helpful thing. Um, mm-hmm. Let's get the split shared now because you mentioned split shared, sure. and uh, you and I actually had a, on, our, on our, refer, our recent conference with Apex. You and I had a, a back and forth about this. So, um, yeah. tell me uh, what what is your understanding of split shared, and how does it relate to incident two, and why do you think it's important? Yeah, so the, the way that we teach um, uh, split shared, and again, I'll, I'll give a, a, a kind of a, a case study to kind of bring it all home, but is is that we utilize this on the inpatient side of things. And um, it really, you know, the term is really a misnomer because when you think split shared, I think, I think shared is what makes people um, – get confused about this. And I go back to that, what we talked about earlier, which was, which was the, the term around a test, right? There's a lot of the testing that goes on in the inpatient world. And that, that largely is because of medical staff bylaws, because um, like here in the state of Michigan, we have to have physicians who, um, you know, see the patient every 24 hours. And, and, um, and, and so, you know, because of that, they, they are always attesting to, what the APP uh, uh, saw. Right. Um, and I, I bring that because that's very important because a split shared, again, is not just a testing. So the way that we teach split shared is this. You have an APP who sees the patient, right, and writes a note. Mm-hmm. Uh, the physician then comes behind the patient. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll give a case study on this so you can kind of bring it all together. Okay. The physician comes behind the patient and, um, you know, can't just say, I agree with the plan, but literally has to do elements of the history, elements of the exam, has to be in the room, and then has to discuss the plan of care. And we teach it in a separate note. So we, we keep it completely separate. If, if those things are done and the physician sees the patient on the same day, which, by the way, is different than residents. This is where it gets, again, very complex. Right. That's different than residents, but on the same day, then you can do a split shared bill. So here's the example really quick. Okay. Um, I used to, I was a big, I've done many things in my career, but, but one of the things I did, my first love in medicine was orthopedics. And so, uh, you know, I would often come in and see the patient who maybe, you know, fell down. Uh, let's say they fell down breakdancing, right? They're, they're crazy 70 year old and, and they're at a party and they fall down. Extreme hip pain, you know, they're brought into the ER right. and uh, the ER physician, you know, calls me in. And, and um, so my job at this point is to see the patient, look at the x-rays and, you know, decide whether or not we're going to admit them, that sort of thing. I see the patient, I see on the, on the, on the x-ray, yeah, this is a definite, you know, grave stroke fracture, whatever you want to call it, but it's, it's a fracture that's going to require surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I document in my note, you know, saw the patient, did my exam, you know, let's say the patient has. Um, shortening of the leg and external rotation, all the things that we see, um, you know, plan to go to the OR uh, in the morning, right? Right. The physician then comes in behind me 
and again, has to actually physically go into the room, has to do with the physical exam, so lay their hands on the patient. Now, what's a little bit nebulous about split shared is that they really don't say, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but they really don't say how many elements you have to do of each. So it's not like you have to do two elements of a physical exam or, you know, it's, it's just that you do an element of each one. That, and that's yeah, and that's it. that's absolutely true in the process in the Medicare yeah. pro, uh, benefits processing or claims processing manual. It doesn't say that. It just says that it has to be a substantial portion of the E and M visit, the evaluation and management visit. And and you're right, right they, that the, both the physician and the APP must be together doing it together. Whether that's the history, the the examination review of systems, the whole bit. Yep. So again, that physician then is doing elements of the history, elements of the exam. Right. Um, and then plan of care, and then they sign a note. And at that point, because we, we've met that requirement of doing it within the same uh, day, uh, then you can bill split shared, which means, again, essentially you're billing under the physician uh, and giving credit to the physician. And again, this is where if you are on a productivity comp model, we want to somehow give credit to the ABP who, who saw that patient, you know, just to give them them something. So, that, um, so, well, that, again, so they're going to document real quick, Keith. They're going to document yeah. that in the in the note, correct? I mean, so in other words, correct. from a documentation standpoint, you're having the APP document that physician X was in the room. Uh, I evaluated X. I did X. Physician in his notes going to say I was with APP so and so in the room, and I did X, Y, and Z. Is that correct? That's correct. The, the physician has to be you know laying their hands on on the patient. So. Let's let's go back to a testing really quickly. What you can't say is uh, agree with APP's plan. Right. You can't say agree with plan, go to the OR. Right. You can't say, um, you know, I looked at the x-rays and uh, completely agree, you know, go to the OR. It's like you, you literally have to write a, a note. Um, and that's where I think the shared part gets a little bit um, – the name, the naming is just a little bit of a misnomer because you really, we teach it. You have to really be be writing a separate note, uh, having your own kind of clinical plan. You can now you can say agree with the APP, but you mm-hmm. still have to do elements of those of that exam finding in the plan of care. And just to be clear, so we all, every, everyone understands when we say split shared, all that really means is, I mean, we're, we're talking about the process of split shared, but it means we're billing that as an incident to claim. Is that is that right, Keith? Yeah, if we now, meet if we meet that requirement. Yep. Yes. Now I don't teach it that way, um, but you're right. I, what I I always try to keep them separate just just to keep it very simplistic for people. Right. So again, this is just the way I teach it. The way I teach it is outpatient is incident to inpatient is split shared, and yet and you are right though you are, you really are billing then under the physician. Right. You're, you're, you're getting you're getting fifteen you're, percent. You're, you're getting the hundred percent on that yes, on that visit on that on that E and M visit. Yep, absolutely. So let's that's a that's a good explanation. I love the example. I mean, I think that's a very spot on example. That's a good way to see it. Um, I know that the claims processing manual also talks about various settings. So, for example, you can't do it at nursing facilities or SNFs uh, in right. critical care settings. Um, but, but it doesn't. It does say you can do it outpatient as well. Um, so it just depends on the setting. Um, and as long as you avoid the SNFs and the critical care and the nursing facilities, you're going to be fine on the shared on the split shared. Um, uh, but but let's go to the to the consequences or really the the fallout. Actually, can I, right? Can I go back to the yeah, go ahead. Back. One, one thing you just said that I, I think is an interesting yes. point. Go ahead. 
you you can do this on the outpatient side. Yes, you can. But here here's what here's what we teach, and I think if you some of the experts out who are out there also teach it this way that if you're doing a split shared visit on the outpatient side, mm-hmm. I just want you to think about this financially for a second. Um, so financially on the outpatient side, and, and, and I'm, I'm making generalities here, but on, on the outpatient side, right, these are people that are not like critically ill typically, right? Right. Um, meaning that, you know, we don't need to like make life-saving decisions, unlike on the inpatient world. Correct. So if you're tying up two providers now, so you have, you have a physician and an APP who is seeing two, uh, two providers who is seeing that patient. Right. Think about financially, that, that's going to be a no-win, Right. So that's why we say we shouldn't do any, we should not be doing a regular bout of split shared on the outpatient side, just surely from a financial perspective. Having said that, right. if, if the physician is needed, you know, that there's something going on where the physician is absolutely needed, then absolutely go ahead and, and, and we feel comfortable doing split shared. But it should not be a regular practice. So and, and we still that, see that's this from a well. resource allocation standpoint, is what you're saying. That's right. That's right. Because if, if, if you break down like how much margin you make per visit, again, now you have two providers which are highly paid doing a visit for a, a person. Right. Um, it should not be a regular practice. Again, there are there are some specialties out there that still do it um, and don't allow that APD to work top of license or top of competency. Uh, but again, financially, it just does not make a ton of sense. And, and you're right. On the inpatient right, side, right. It, it does make sense because that's what we have to do those things on the inpatient side. Well, because the E&M levels are going to be higher acuity. So you're going to get yes, higher level right. of reimbursement on, like, for example, a, a level four, level five, right? Than, say, yes. a level three or level two on an outpatient side. That's right. So yep. uh, very interesting. Very. Thank you very yeah. much for that. Uh, well, yeah, now now let's let's cross over the bridge to to the danger zone, right? Let's get to the minefield. Yeah. So if you break compliance, then like in in my example of the orthopedic practice that didn't do this for three years, suddenly you have false claims issues, and interestingly, um, you have uh, an overpayment that, of course, the government's going to want that back. Uh, yep. and, and each individual claim is subject to an FCA penalty of five to fifteen thousand dollars, along with a CMP a potential CMP civil monetary penalty of up to eleven thousand dollars. So you're looking at twenty thousand <laughs> potential twenty thousand dollar penalty per claim. How many That's claims right. you think get filed a day, in, in, uh, Keith? How many claims you think get oh, filed? You know, I I don't I really have no idea. Um, over ten, and, and still, over over ten, oh, yeah. over a hundred. Oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a lot. Um, I would say though that, I mean, I think you bring up a really good point. It's it's not. Think about this. It's not just like one auditor like coming in and doing audits. Like, I mean, we have like OIG and revenue audit contractors and the the heat team. I think, which is healthcare fraud prevention enforcement team zone program integrity contractors like so I, I bring it up because it's there are so many different forces and their job is to find problems that that's how they make money yeah, it, i mean rack and zpic right. the that's rack right. and zpic the one you just met, mentioned rack and zpic they don't get paid unless they find money that's right and and that's i think the, the cautionary tale here is even if there is no intent to do harm or intent to do wrong 
these these organizations are out there uh, along with our government and 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 they're gonna eventually it's gonna catch up to you. They're gonna find it. So that's why it's you know getting back to you asked earlier, like why is it so important? <laughs> that's why it's so important. Well, let me ask you this. So uh, your your spectrum has made the decision to not take the incident two billing route, which I think, you know, you know, compliance stand stand wise, it's it's a tough it's a tough road to hoe. Uh, yeah. I mean it's 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 definitely a it's definitely a uh you have a learning curve. You have a learning curve, a steep learning curve. If you've never dealt with this before, if you've never heard it before, what would you tell groups based on your experience, your your knowledge of, of this incident two billing? What would you tell? What would be the best advice you would give groups who are looking to decide whether or not to do uh, the incident two or capture that one hundred percent? Yep, good question. So I would I would tell them this: if if you decide that you, that, you know, maybe you're a smaller practice and you really need this, that 15% revenue, you got to put uh, programs and things in place uh, to make sure that you're doing kind of your own internal audit to make sure that, that, that there's a, a system in place that, that really helps you to reduce that risk mm-hmm. of, of involvement of those organizations that we just talked about. Um, because if you don't, again, it, it, at some point it will catch you. Um, so that's probably what I would say. Again, we made the decision not to, um, you know, I, I think that we had some pretty close calls at Spectrum that's been in the news um, and, you know, nothing was was found or substantiated. But, you know, when we started looking into this, it was like, this just is not worth it for us. Um, right. And then they I was not in my role at the time and I was just getting into my role. They were looking at me as as to, you know, what what are your thoughts? And um, again, going ac- across the country and meeting with, you know, large leaders and I think there's a lot of um, institutions, probably our size, that have also made that same stance. So just right. going to give you a little bit of perspective there. That's very interesting. And and, and again, yeah. if you're if you're not if you're not up to speed on on what it involves and how to set up an internal audit process for compliance purposes, uh, agreed. You you might be literally wading into a minefield of, of and you just don't even know. Oh yeah, and, and that's where they can probably use your services, right? Because you guys can probably set up like some internal audit stuff. That's that, right. Quite frankly, um, will be well worth the money, um, uh, without a doubt. Well, I so, appreciate that. Yes, we we do. We we some. I wish a lot of times, Keith, that that I would get we would get the calls from the providers beforehand. A lot of yeah, times, I mean, right. I I call myself Smokey the Bear sometimes because all I do is put out fires, right? Right. And and right. and and if if simply providers would just call and say, look, we, you know, because a lot of providers we know, and I mean, I know Rory can attest to this too. They hate lawyers, hate us, and and, yeah. and like inherently, like we don't like lawyers. We all they do is bill charges, and we don't like them. Ha ha. So, but but what I tell them is, is that we're we are we're literally aligned with you. You know, paying a little bit for our services now could save you a tremendous amount of money uh, and, and headache, you know, later. So, Absolutely. you know, it, it's just, you know, but, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to shift the paradigm, you know, uh, to see if we can, we can get that corrected down the road, but, but all these are fantastic points. And, and I, I want to thank you. Uh, any final thoughts, Keith, to, to the listeners with respect to incident two? Yeah, just just final thought. I think you, you hit it on the on the head in terms of you know I think prevention is is critical, uh, and we talked about kind of the benefits and risks. You know the 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 fifteen percent 
I would just say, you know, really cautionary tale, is the 15% really worth it? In our case, it wasn't, but I understand there's different avenues and things um, out there that, that, you know, practices can look at. If you do decide to do incident two, you know, please have an, an internal audit play, um, practice in place. That's what I would say. Well, fantastic. Well, Keith, we thank you, everybody. Keith Hustack. Uh, from Michigan. He is the Vice President of Advanced Provider Practice and Vice President of Operations at Spectrum Health. We thank you very much for coming on today. And I think that's going to wrap it up for us, Rory. Let's go ahead and close it out. Uh, Thank you, everyone. And we'll hopefully see you on our next episode of Health Law Talks at Shahardi Sherman-Williams. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Health Law Talk presented by Shahardi Sherman-Williams. For more information or to contact us, please visit our website linked in the description below. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube linked in the description below. Thank you for listening.